listening to The 30 Podcast. Here's your host, Jazz Kang. All right, welcome to a new episode. Recording this just after the Lakers' 10-game win streak is snapped. They went down 114-100 to the Mavs at home. Luka Doncic went off. He was one rebound short of a triple-double. We'll get into all that. Don't forget, though, subscribe to the Silver Screen and Roll Podcast Network. We are wherever you get your fix, whether it's iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, you name it, we are there. And, of course, silverscreenandroll.com, where we got you covered for all your Lakers needs. Joining me on this episode, friend of the podcast, he's been on with me several times before, Sportsnet 650 reporter and anchor, and one of my good homies from back home, Marcus Fitzgerald. Marcus, what's going on, my man? Thanks so much for bringing me on, buddy. Let's get to it. I can't wait. All right. So if you missed the game and you're just catching this podcast, the Lakers, everything was looking pretty good at halftime. They were up, uh, I believe, at the break by three. Yep, that's right. It was 62 to 59. Ugly, ugly, ugly third quarter. What ended up happening is the Lakers were out, uh, scored 35 to 17 by the Mavericks. Couldn't stop their defense. Couldn't stop a nosebleed, but we'll get into that one later on. <laughs> but they were also 5 and 19 from the field, uh, shot 26%, and that was pretty much the game. Uh, did make a bit of a run at the end of the third quarter, but the Mavericks put a stop to that with some red hot three point shooting. Although they only shot 35%. They attempted 49 threes, hit 17 of them. So that was obviously a huge factor in this game as well. Offensive rebounds, they got killed. Uh, Lakers gave up 16 O boards and just really couldn't recover against the Mavs. They were fast moving the ball. They were fast going around the uh, going around the perimeter and kind of moving and, and having a lot of motion to their offense. And the Lakers just, just couldn't keep up on this one. Again, I'm not going to sit here and act like the sky is falling. They're 17-3. and three. Uh, Interesting note, though, so far from the season, Lakers 3-3 three and three against teams that are above 500. 14 and 0 against teams below 500. The Mavericks are now 13 and 6. What did you take from that from this loss? Like I said, I'm not going to act like the sky is falling because if you would have told me before the season that the Lakers are 17 and 3, 20 games in, <laughs> I would have been like, "You're crazy." But it's it's been a great start so far. Yeah, I I, I certainly would have said the same thing. And I know people want to complain about the Lakers' strength of schedule through the first month and a bit here, particularly the month of November, but it also shows that they've managed to take care of business. Although, and there, there's been a lot of chatter about this, the Lakers were a bloodless death machine jazz for about the first three weeks. We haven't necessarily seen that though in the last five or six games. And I just feel like that all kind of caught up with them today. I don't know if it's like back end Thanksgiving stuff where they're handling, you know, family business, whatever the case might be. And then they come into a Sunday afternoon game, a an unusual one o'clock start at Staples Center when the Sunday games usually go around uh, 6 p.m. So there could have been other factors, too. But the Lakers, for the most part, particularly in the third quarter, were just sloppy. And you've got an MVP candidate in Luka Doncic, who I was lucky enough to see play in Vancouver. He impressed me in a preseason game with the way that he controlled the game and his intensity. So it doesn't surprise me at all that Luka's off to a fantastic start. Too much Doncic. And I think the Lakers had a few other things on their minds. Um, when, you know, they just had this incredible month of November where they kind of learned and they, and they realized that they could just hit the switch. Uh, they couldn't hit the switch against Dallas, and they've got some good matchups coming up against good teams on the road. And I'm very curious to see how they'll bounce back after getting kind of kicked in the teeth uh, this afternoon at Staples. Yeah, I mean, we saw they bounce back after that Raptors game, right? Everybody was surprised, like, oh, man, the Raptors without Kyle Lowry, without Serge Ibaka, how do you lose that team? Well, they came back and reeled off 10 straight wins, so I think they did okay <laughs> after that. But, um, yeah, the interesting thing, I actually was watching and, and, and kind of taking note of this one, and, and we'll jump into this a little bit deeper because I want to talk about some individual players as well. You mentioned they couldn't flip the switch. I feel like LeBron and AD were awesome in this game. Like, they finished a combined 21 of 41 shooting. So over 50% there had 19 rebounds and, and, and 10 assists combined as well. 
uh, 27 points for AD, 25 for LeBron. The, the big boys bought it, right? You look at the rest of the team, only, only one other guy hit double figures. It was the guy you would least expect. Alex Caruso ended, ended up with 10 points. He was four or five from the field, and, including hitting both of his three-point shots. But you're, 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 I was watching this, and I'm like, damn, man. Like, when you're playing against good teams, and I've said this several times before on the podcast, and I've gotten some comments from people on Twitter saying, oh, you don't know what you're talking about. You know, they're fine. It's like, no, the Lakers are going to beat the bad teams like they have, right? You know, like they've done it yeah. all season. Sometimes it's, it was a bit of a struggle. Sometimes, like the Friday game against the Wizards, it was like, all right, we know that they're going to smoke show this team. But... With, when you're playing against teams like Dallas and you look at the, their stretch coming up now, you're going to go at Denver on Tuesday, which should be a really good one. Tough place to play in Denver with the altitude. At Utah, Portland with a new and improved Carmelo Anthony. No, the Lakers <laughs> should not have signed him. Let's not get into that, that debate at all. And then they go home to Minnesota. And then you're going to go on an Eastern road swing, which could be tricky as well. Orlando, Miami, Atlanta, uh, the Pacers, and then Milwaukee. And then they finish up with uh, Denver, L.A., at Portland, home to Dallas again to finish out the month. When you're playing some of those teams, so nine of their next 13 are, are going to be against squads that are in playoff positioning right now. And as I mentioned, they're only three and three against winning teams so far. The lack of scoring off the bench, I think it was apparent today. I think if they could have got somebody off the bench who was able to, you know, at least, I don't think because the Mavericks were just on fire in that, in that third quarter, I don't think an individual player could have made it, you know, kept it a, a two-point game, but kept it at eight, nine points when you had your, your big boys on the bench. And we just didn't see that. And so how much of a factor do you think that's going to play when they're playing against some of these upper echelon teams who have depth, like Denver, like the Clippers, like Utah? Yeah, no, you're definitely going to need uh, guys like Kuz to come in and, and give you 22, 25, and we get excited about Kuzma for 36 hours after the game. Obviously, we're not going to ask Alex Caruso to score 15, 20 a night, but you're going to need to have you know solid performances from uh, Danny Green offensively. You're going to need to see a little bit more. Uh, from Danny on the offensive side of the ball. KCP, I know that everybody likes to roll on KCP all the time, but you could make an argument that with Avery Bradley going down, he's kind of played his way into this lineup, and he's he's cemented a legitimate spot in that rotation. You're going to need him to score, I don't know, 13, 15 points a night. And I also will clarify something, Jazz, when I said, uh, you know, not able to flip the switch earlier. Not necessarily talking about offense. I'm talking about defense. Early in the season, that was something that the Lakers could uh, hold their hat or, 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 you know, what's, what's that phrase? I can't even think of it. Hang your hat on. That's, that's what I mean to say. The Lakers were able to do that defensively earlier in the year, and now you're going to go up against teams or you have to deal with uh, Nikola Jokic, and you have to deal with Damian Lillard playing with a little more confidence now. The Carmelo and Hassan Whiteside is actually showing something the last few games uh, in Portland as well. You've got some tough opponents coming up, and you're going to have nights where the shots don't fall. As good as the Mavericks were in the third quarter of this game, uh, it is a make-or-miss league, and, and there was a lid on the basket for Los Angeles in the third quarter. So, I mean, we can talk about offense all we want and how we'd like to see more from, you know, the Kyle Kuzmas of the world. But one thing that made the Lakers dominant in this November run was how good they were defensively. And that started to slip over the last five or six games, and then it all kind of culminates today when you have to go up against a guy like Luka Doncic. Now the Lakers are going to go on a stretch where they're going to see a few more MVP candidates and that might get the best of them on certain nights on the road. Now, still, they're very good. And I'm sure by the end of December, they could still be, you know, 23 and six or whatever the case might be. Um, offense is a concern, yes. But I, I think defensively, they're nowhere near as good as they were, say, in the first two or three weeks of the season. They need to find that level and get back to that point because then they can kind of reset things and, and get back on the winning track here. 
Well, I think that's that, that's one of the things that, that showed itself too, right? In, in their losses, especially. There's only been three of them. But in their losses, it's been, hey, we, they can't defend the three. The other team lights it up from the outside. And, and mm-hmm. it's like, and again, I think it comes down to quality of opponent. Do I think the Lakers would be 17-3 and three if they played, you know, 12 winning teams in between? Probably not. But do I think they would be 10-10 and 10 or something? Hell no. You know, I think they'd still be sitting at 14-6, and 15-5, and five, somewhere around there. But I, I just think that this could be an issue that's going to rear its ugly head. Uh, another saying like hang your hat on that we haven't heard since 1970 but when you when you when you talk about that stuff it's like to me yeah their their rotation looks great against some lower level teams right they they look awesome when they're when they're out there on the three point line running out and chasing guys off and you're finding these teams are missing them because you look at that first half of that New Orleans game uh this past Wednesday where they won 114-110 like the first half it was like they couldn't stop anything and yeah. and and I, and I agree with you in, in that regard where they're having stretches where they're almost sleepwalking through it and that yeah. stuff you can get away with when you're playing Oklahoma City, when you're playing Atlanta, when you're playing the Sacramento Kings. You're not going to get away with that when you're playing a team that has Luka Doncic and Kristaps Porzingis. You're not going to get away with that in Denver on the road. You're not going to get away with that on a back-to-back going into Utah. You could be down 20 points like they were today. So I do think that's stuff that they're, they're going to have to adjust. But um, I agree with you. I think defensively they've been slipping. Offensively, other than you know that third quarter today, and much of the fourth as well. They've looked pretty good. Their scoring has went up quite a bit. You know what I mean overall. But I, I do think that the the main issue is is the bench. And and I've said this before the season even started. I said you know I, I don't know if these guys they're they're a championship contender and they're they're going to be. You know what I mean even at, uh, at when yeah. all set is done at the at the end of the season they'll still be to me at least in the conference finals because I don't I don't know if any of those teams could beat like the Mavericks. I don't think are beating the Lakers in a seven game series. They might take two. Might even take three games. But they're not mm-hmm. going to win in a seven-game series. Whereas what's happening with with uh, the the lower end teams that you've seen them play, they've been able to just kind of be like, oh well, you know, we'll we'll, we'll kind of be sloppy and and we'll get let's get through you know the first couple of quarters and then like you mentioned, flip the switch. And that was both offensively and defensively. You look at defensively in terms of scoring. I mean, they're still sitting in third in the NBA behind Denver and Orlando. Uh, field goal percentage of Lakers number one in terms of scoring. But you look at at their points per game, they're in the top 10 as well. So things are looking good statistically, but all this stuff is going to start sliding a bit as the schedule gets tougher. And so that's where I've said it as well, that the the bench, although it it has some nights where you're like, wow, these guys are are really, really good. It has some nights that they're completely unnoticeable, right? And, And that shouldn't be happening when you have certain guys on the team. Like Dwight Howard, he's been very, very good and great even a few games. And then he's been very good a few games. And then he's been... Again, invisible on other ones. Rajon Rondo, I thought he looked terrible today. You know what I mean? Like, he had, yeah. yeah, he had seven assists, but everything slowed down when he had the ball. And they need someone who can either be a ball handler and run that second unit, or they need to find someone who's going to be able to score some points for him. And I just don't think that that, that answer is going to come from within right now. And then you look at the lack of assets and the lack of cap space that they have. How, how do you think they should go about fixing this problem? Ah, well, that's that's the issue, right? Because, you know, anytime anybody brings that up, the first answer is Andre Iguodala, but that's not going to happen. So the Lakers have to come up with an actual legitimate, you know, fix. And no, it's not Carmelo Anthony. And you're right, Jazz, they should not have signed Carmelo. Carmelo wasn't going to be the guy to do that. But, you know, again, it gets back to, you know, roster construction and they have a bunch of specialists on the bench. And and, you know, not guys that can do two things on the court at once. Maybe Kuz is capable of doing that, but he's the only guy. The rest is just a lot of question marks. And and I go back to small sample size theater opening night of the season when they lost to the Clippers. And I thought to myself, well, you know, this team's going to be good enough to contend. 
but can they hang with the contenders? Like the real ass contenders, not these, not these lower lower teams that they beat up on over the course of November. We've seen it now. They can get away with that against the lower echelon teams. Like you tweeted, 14 and 0 against teams under 500 or whatever it is. And now they're three and three against teams that are 500 or better. Is that going to show itself truly in December? It might, but it might not because LeBron James and Anthony Davis can cancel out everything. Like you said, they were good against Dallas, but they need somebody else to step up. And I don't know how you solve it. I, I feel like it's a, it's a Gene Hackman and Hoosiers. This is your team. I, I don't know that there's a, there's a magical trade elixir out there that's going to fix this for L.A. other than Andre Iguodala. And even then, it's going to be highly, highly difficult to uh, tweak this roster any more than, uh, than, than uh, where it already sits. And, and that, that's where I'm at, too. And it's funny you mentioned that because I, I did. I, I talked about that uh, in my preview pod before before the season started. And I said it after that loss to the to the Clippers as well. I said the same thing. I said, look, I'm not overthinking this. I'm not sitting here thinking, oh, man, you know, the Lakers are terrible and nothing's going to, you know, nothing's going to work out for them. I mean, some of the stuff <laughs> I was seeing online today was, okay, take it easy, boys. They're 17 and three. All right. Last I checked, yeah. that's pretty damn good. They're going to be all right. But when, when you look at it, yeah, you're, it's like you have a bunch of these guys who offer like a skill set. Like you'd love to have Alex Caruso's defense mixed in with a guy who can hit threes like Quinn Cook or, or Troy Daniels mixed yes, in with a guy who's, exactly. who's as smart as Rajon Rondo. And they don't have that. And, and there was one guy I, I thought, and, and I've said this before, if you listen to the podcast, which you better be, and don't forget, subscribe. And like I told you, give us a good five-star rating as well. But back to the point is that when I was watching this team play, when Boogie went down, yeah. Kyle Kuzma immediately got thrust into, dude, you got to be our third best player, right? Mm-hmm. Like on, on a consistent basis. Some nights, hopefully it's Danny Green. Some nights, KCP's done it. Some nights you're going to hopefully that, uh, you know, Quinn Cook can score 15, 16 points like he did the other, other game. But yeah. When uh, Kyle Kuzma has to be able to bring it consistently. And, and to me, it's been a month now, right? Like, and I gave him, I, I said, you know what, give him the first couple of weeks when he came back from injury because it's not easy to miss two months of action and, 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 you know, trying to catch up with the guys around you in terms of the conditioning and, and the game speed and just getting used to a feel for playing, you know, basketball at that level again. And then he went on a stretch where, yeah, against Toronto, he had 15 in that loss. And then he went 23, 22, 13, 17. And I'm like, okay, Probably. now he started, he's starting to find his legs, right? And then what happened after that, now his last few games, like he had 5, 10, 5, 10, 16 in the win against New Orleans, 4 against Washington, fine, whatever, didn't even need him out there. But 4 again today, I, I just think he's been too up and down. And in order for, and people had high expectations at Akuz last season. Yeah, I mean, he didn't really meet them. He, he dealt with some injuries and, and he had some few good games. But this season, it was like, it wasn't an expectation. It was like, dude, you better do this. Otherwise, our team's going to be in a lot of trouble. Yeah, no, I, and I think I, I like how we're kind of com, coming back around and figuring this out is, is when you have a bench full of specialists and you got to try to throw it together like a transformer or something like that, you know, there's going to be nights where, like you said, you're going to get one guy that can give you 15, but what the Lakers don't have is they don't have that consistent guy. And Boogie could have been that guy. And I know that he's coming off a bunch of injuries and he's probably not the same player, but we also know that Boogie once upon a time averaged a 26 and 12, like it was nothing. Like if, if you want to give Boogie shots, if you want to go to him, and ask him to create, he could probably do that uh, for longer spurts than anybody else in the Laker bench could. Um, and, and I like what you said there, too, about Kyle Kuzma being thrust into something because he still has the DNA of, you know, the baby Lakers in him. It's still in there a little bit. Well, they're not the baby Lakers anymore. This is the LeBron AD. We have to win a championship, Lakers. And Kuz has shown at times, flashes, yes, he can contribute. But when you need to be the third best guy on the team, when you need to be, and I can't believe I'm saying this, 
Glenn Rice, okay? <laughs> you, you, you have to be able to play that role seamlessly every night on a championship contender because that's inevitably what happens with teams that, that you know go all the way and do great things. Kuz has shown flashes of it, hasn't shown all of it, and yes, they miss Boogie because at the end of the day, at least they can point to Boogie and say, well, this guy averaged a 26 and 12, so we'll ride with him. Can you point at Kuz and say, well, this guy has shown flashes, so I suppose we'll ride with him. You see the difference in that statement? That's the issue that kind of, uh, you know, what they're dealing with right now. And again, I would love if Alex Caruso could score like Kuz. And I would love if Kuz had the playmaking ability, I guess, of a Rondo. But it's almost like we're kind of throwing it all together like a transformer. And we're hoping it works. But sometimes it won't. Even if even if they're still on like a 67-win pace like they are right now. Sometimes it's going to work. Sometimes it won't. It might get ugly at times. But that's kind of what we're in for with this team and the way they put it together. Yeah, and, and, and that, that falls on the front office, too. Listen, they did a great job in, in the summertime. They got Anthony yeah. Davis, which is the biggest fish that you could have gotten at that point. You know, Sands, maybe Kawhi Leonard. But uh, then you got, you got you know, Danny Green signing at, at, at a reasonable rate. I, I love the Dwight Howard move. I still think, yeah, he hasn't been great the last few games. But, I mean, he's still a, a very, very important part of the team coming off the bench. Uh, let, let's get into how they can maybe fix some of this stuff and, and some of the other things that we're looking at. I want to jump into something else about Boogie as well. Uh, we'll do that after a short break. All right, and we are back. Uh, before the break, we were talking about the lack of, of depth, really scoring depth for the, for the bench, for the Lakers. And you were, you were touching on Boogie. So I'm looking at it like this. Boogie got hurt in August, I believe it was, right? Or was it July? Mm-hmm. I think uh, it was August. Summertime. Summertime. Yeah, yeah. summertime. All right. Yeah, whatever. You <laughs> all know what we mean when we say summertime. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. People get it. But yeah. if you look at it, okay, if he comes back in about nine to ten months, right? We're looking at April, May. Uh, again, if it's not if it's not by the time the, the finals rolls around, that's probably it, right? But I mean, if you can get him back in the second round, obviously he's not going to be in shape to play thirty five, you know, thirty thirty five minutes, and you're not going to expect no. him. But if he can win you one game, just like he did for the Warriors in Game Two against uh, the Raptors in Toronto of the championship, right, where he played his, out of his mind in terms of facilitating the offense, don't you have to look at doing that? Because it's it's like like you were mentioning, like with Kuz. And, and I, I, had to, I had people ask me in the, in the offseason as well, like, oh, you know, would you look at trading him or, or you know, Kuzma? And, and then he also had the opposite end of where people were tweeting at me saying, um, Kyle Kuzma is going to light it up this year. Kyle Kuzma, it's like, I don't, I don't know. Like, Kuz might be your fourth or fifth option, then you're okay. Because like you were mentioning, okay, let's say they go into a seven-game series against the Clippers, right? And they go, mm-hmm. they go you know, it's going to be Anthony Davis, LeBron against... Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, let's say those guys cancel each other. They're, they're good for 50 points each combined, right? Yeah. And then you go, okay, man, well, we need to get some scoring off our bench because our two best players are wiping out their two best players. You're going to stack this, this bench up against uh, Lou Williams, Montrez Harrell, and Jamichael Green, guys who can just go off for 20 any night? I, mm-hmm. I, I don't know if like that, that is the part that scares me. It's not the regular season. The regular season, like you said, the Lakers are going to win 60 games this, this year, be a top three seed in the West. That's fine. And they're going to they're going to roll house probably in their first round series. But then you're going to get to round two and you're going to have to play deep teams and the injuries are, are piling up and the soreness and the little knocks that guys have are adding up. And, and if, if LeBron James or Anthony Davis has an off night, who do you trust on the team? Like if you had to pick one guy right now, who do you trust the most to be able to kind of stop the bleeding or help with, with turn things around? Oh, Lord, I don't know, because you know what? You need a guy who can create their own offense. And again, it all comes back to Kyle Kuzma. It's like, well, he can, again, he can do that sometimes. But are you going to throw him the ball in May in, in, you know, 
late in a second round game, say game five or something like that. It's like, Kuz, we need you to hit a big shot in this situation. Well, he's never seen that in his career. So we have no idea if he's capable of doing that. Now, I'll also say this. Fans and fan bases tend to overrate their own players. Like, I understand how hyped up, you know, Laker fans were about Kyle Kuzma coming into the season. And I actually, I I, I do want to say this. I saw a little subset of NBA Twitter, Laker Twitter over the last few days suggesting that Alex Caruso was somehow more valuable to his team than Pascal Siakam was to the Raptors. And, and, you know, this is a very small subset of of Lakers NBA Twitter, but it was floating around out there. And I just want to say, can we stop that? <laughs> okay, can we can we stop? That? Like, I, I realize that I live up in Canada, so I'm I'm privy to the Raptors a little more. I see the Raptors more. I see Pascal Siakam play just as I watch every Laker game, and I see Alex Caruso play. But just just stop that narrative. And the whole point is, fans tend to overrate guys who they follow and watch and 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 root for every single day. Yes, we all hope that Kyle Kuzma can be that guy but we can't trust him to be. So it's up to him somehow over the course of the regular season to earn that trust, to earn the trust of LeBron James, to earn that trust of Anthony Davis, where they know that they can go to him in a big spot, where Frank Vogel knows that they could turn to him in a big spot. Otherwise, you're, you're playing with fire. It's like, well, you know, maybe we'll put KCP in there and maybe he hits a big shot, or maybe Danny Green can give us a big shot if we kick it to him in the corner and create it for him. So there's lots of flaws in terms of you know playoff trust, I realize it's the first of December. We're a long ways off from that, but I think at the end of the day, again, this is your team, and you're hoping that Kuz can get to that point. But we don't know that he can. Although I like that we're looking at big picture, and we're not talking about you know uh, moral victories or anything like that with young kids. He's the last young kid left, and he's got to grow up real fast. And again, it's just flashes, right? He's got to put that together on a night in, night out basis. And until he does that, there's always going to be that lingering cloud. Once they get to the postseason, no, it's like it's like Owen Wilson says to Vince Vaughn in Wedding Crushers. Well, we're not that young. He's not young anymore. He's twenty four. <laughs> you know what that's I mean? Right. Like he's, he's going to be twenty five. Right. That's 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 old in in, in NBA terms. He's not an eighteen year old kid, nineteen year old kid. You yeah. know, you look at his scoring averages. He's averaging eleven points a game in fifteen games this season. Eleven. That's terrible, right? Yeah. I mean, his three point shooting a little bit better than last season. It's it's been decent. He's shooting at thirty five percent, but. Um, you know, they need more out of him if they, and, and again, I'm not saying this, I'm not looking at the Lakers like, oh, they just want to get in the playoffs and you know what, that's, no, we're looking at it like, how are they going to win a championship? And some of the flaws they have now are still going to be the flaws that they're going to have come time for February, March, April, where the games are going to start counting a little bit more in the standings, where, where teams are now more set. They know what you're doing. They know your tendencies. They know what system you're running. And, and I'm looking at this right now. It's just been, it, although they're 17 and three, it has been very inconsistent from their bench. And I do think that could be the undoing of this team come time for the playoffs. And again, now let, let, let's shift focus to, to the positive stuff. We're at the, basically the quarter point of the season, right? You're a diehard right. Lakers fan. You've loved the Lakers for a long time. What were you expecting them to be 20 games into the year coming into it once you saw the schedule? You know, it's funny. When Avery Bradley got hurt, I looked at it and thought, oh, they'll be 14 and four at the end of the month. And they were 17 and two. So they even surpassed my expectations. And that's even looking at that schedule in November and knowing that, you know, there were some easy wins that they could bank. But again, Avery Bradley goes down, you know, the lineup moves a little bit, the rotation changes a bit. I thought by the end of November, they'd be 14 and four. So even somehow they have surpassed my purple and gold colored glasses expectations. I did not think they would be 17 and three at this point. I'm thrilled. Also, I tweeted this out before I jumped on the podcast today on days where I join your show. Uh, the Lakers are zero and two. So I would like to formally <laughs> apologize 
to everybody in Los Angeles <laughs> for that setup. But that also means that maybe, you know, they're on their way to another impressive eight-game winning streak because it's only been three losses, but they have bounced back spectacularly after losing ball games. So I think that's the biggest thing going forward. What's their response going to be like? Because they've got some tough games on the road in uh, Denver and Utah and Portland coming up. I'm, I'm very excited to see what they have in terms of uh, a bounce back because we've seen it a little bit after the loss to the Raptors and even to the Clippers as well. But I'm, I'm anxious to see how they respond, knowing that, you know, they were a bit sloppy today. And heck, maybe it was even a trap game. I don't know. Like Thanksgiving long weekend, that kind of stuff that, you know, they're heading out on the road. Maybe a bit of a trap. Luke is a good player. You can't sleep on him. But very interested to see how they respond uh, over the next couple of days. Yeah, as I mentioned earlier, man, they got nine, nine of their next 13. They're, they're taking on teams with, with winning records. And now you're going to start to see them. Their record's going to regress a little bit. I, I didn't, this is not a 70-win team. This is not the 2015-16 Warriors. No. You know what I mean? Like, uh, <laughs> let's not get carried away. And, and, and like I said, you know, getting involved and seeing what the Lakers' Twitter, what the mood is like on there. A lot of it is, is like, oh, yeah, you know, we're, we're 17 and, and three or 17 and two. And, you know, we're awesome and we're this and we're that. And it's like, well, okay, at the same time, you, you also you haven't played anyone. You know, and, and and that's what it that's what it comes down to. So now we're going to start to see, okay, what is this team really made of? And like you mentioned, they're going to go on the road. They got some big big matchups coming up. How are they going to respond to these games and and the ones where you're looking at? I told you that stretch, man. They're going to go at Milwaukee on the 19th, uh, home to Denver on the 22nd, and then they play the Clippers on Christmas Day. Like that's three heavy heavyweight matchups. You know what I mean? And if they come out of that 0 and three, then everybody's going to be acting like the sky's falling down. If they come out of that three and zero. Everybody's gonna be like, plan the parade. You know, you know what I mean. <laughs> and I think there, I think the team is somewhere closer to plan the parade, but it's not that. You know, it's not that far fetched to say, okay, they're gonna be fighting for uh, a one through three, maybe even a four seed if, if you know, if, if things go bad with the injury front. But I, I do think that right now, the the biggest thing I want to see from this team is is the capability to be able to hang with the teams like Denver that we're going to see on Tuesday in terms of offensively and how their defense responds. And like, and like you said, you know what, they haven't been as good as they were early in the season, still statistically doing great in terms of keeping things locked down on their own end. But we also want to see them kind of improve on that. And it's going to be harder. Like, like you saw with Luka Doncic today, you're going to play against guys like Jamal Murray and, and the Joker in, in Denver. And then Utah, you got Spider Mitchell, you know, uh, Mike Conley, all these guys. So they're going to have to play up a, a level. And that's what I'm interested to see from this team next. Well, because as you go deeper and deeper into the season and into the postseason as well, you have to uh, you know, ramp up your play a little bit, ramp up your level of intensity. Uh, LeBron James has done that consistently over the course of his career. Anthony Davis, I suppose, has, even though he hasn't had uh, a ton of postseason success. So that could be a big question as well, Jazz, is that the Lakers as a group playing against these contenders, yes, it'll be very curious to view how they react to certain situations, road situations, playing with the, you know, the altitude in Denver. Um, but I, I think there's some questions with with A.D. here because he didn't have a ton of success in New Orleans. And, and not all of that was his fault, obviously. He never really had uh, a great group around him. But I'm very curious to see how Anthony Davis enters the arena of you are a Laker and this team is 17 and three and you're a DPOY candidate and you're a borderline MVP candidate. So we expect you to take this team on the road and lead them to impressive victories and i don't know that ad has necessarily had that kind of pressure on his shoulders outside of that one playoff series against portland right so uh not only as a group am i curious to you know watch how the lakers respond on the road because we know what lebron james is going to do in those situations and that's all well and good but how is ad going to buy into this this is when it finally starts 
And it really gets going with AD as a Laker where you're expected to win because season's only going to get ramped up further from here. Now you're going on the road. you got to play against some good teams. I'm very excited to witness, hopefully, the rise of AD in a contender for a championship role outside of just, well, you had a great night, but you lost kind of in New Orleans. I, I think that's where he needs to make the leap in these games where he has those nights where it's like, you know what? AD put it on him tonight. He had a great night. You know, AD, AD had like 31-19 in five blocks. He needs nights like that against contenders just to remind people, hey, not only am I good, but I'm capable of having those games that make you look twice and make you think about it down the line come playoff time. That's going to be uh, a, a bit of a focus for him for sure. Yeah, I mean, he didn't didn't have the pressure of that, man. Let's be honest, playing with the New Orleans Pelicans. Like, no. I bet most people don't even know what the New Orleans team name is called in terms of casual sports fans. You know what I mean? Like, oh, <laughs> New Orleans is a basketball team. But, um, you know, the game he had against uh, the game he had in, in uh, New Orleans, obviously, in that return where all eyes were on him, the crowd sure, was hostile. Yeah. And he rose to the occasion. He dropped 41, you know, that game and dominated, you know, thoroughly, especially in that second half. So mm -hmm. uh, I, I agree with you. I mean, it's it going to be interesting to see. We know Le what LeBron James is, right? LeBron, to yeah. me, Still the best basketball player in the league. Sorry, Kawhi Leonard. Um, you sit out 25 games a year. LeBron, LeBron's been doing it night in and, and night out. And, and to me, he's still the best player in the game. And so, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how, because those two, as good as they've been, they almost have to ramp it up to one notch higher in order for them to be able to beat and compete with winning teams. And I'm saying night after night, not, not just not just compete. Sorry, I'll, I'll take that back. I'll walk that back, but beat winning teams consistently. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, for sure. For sure. No, you know, AD and LeBron are two of the top eight guys in the world. They will always yeah. be, and they're going to have nights like we just saw against Dallas. Like you said, they were fine. It's not like they were bad. It's not like they lost because LeBron and AD were bad. It's just, you know, they needed to have the guys around them step up and play. So that means that, you know, on any given night, not only are LeBron and AD going to have to be themselves, but they're also going to have to elevate a little bit. We know that LeBron can do that. It's whether or not AD can do that on big stages, on the road against contenders. Yeah, yeah, man, and and, that, and you know what? This is going to be for us as as media guys and and as as fans as well. Getting to watch this stretch of of games for the Lakers coming up here, especially this month. Like I said, most of them are going to be against winning teams. I'm excited because a yeah, we're going to figure out a lot about the team. But I just like watching good basketball. You know, I don't want to watch the Lakers play yeah. against teams like you know the the Washington Wizards and the Atlanta Hawks all the time. It's like, <laughs> yeah, whatever, man. Go ahead and kill them. You should win by 15 points every night. You yeah. play those teams. Obviously, easier said than done, but now it's like, all right, let's see some of those games where it's going to come down to the wire, and and you're kind of, you know, you're getting nervous on every possession. That that's what I'm getting excited to see now. Well, the real season doesn't start till Christmas Day, right? That's that's usually how it works in the NBA, and we're getting close to that stretch now. Now that we're past the U.S. Thanksgiving portion of the slate, and now the games can ramp up a little bit. I know the NBA season typically doesn't start till Christmas Day, but we've we've reached that point now, and. And the Lakers and give give the Lakers credit. They've they've banked wins where they can. They're yep. seventeen and three. They've got some leeway. They've got some leash. But now the now the competition's going to ramp up, and now we really get to see if they're either a good team or a legitimate championship contender. And that's uh, that's what makes sports so much fun. Okay, I'm going to wrap up on this, Marcus. I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit. Like All I right. mentioned, they have thirteen games left this month. As you said, seventeen and three. So things are looking pretty damn good so far. Where do you think they stand after these 13 games? What's your prediction? Oh, you know, I, I kind of looked at this last night and I had a number in my head. Now, I, I don't know if it's going to be the exact number because I'm, I'm adding games up in my head. Now I'm on my toes. But I kind of had it like, you know what? At the end of this month, the team could be something like 25 and 6. I just had this vision of them going into the Christmas Day game against the Clippers with a record like that. You can hear 
Mike Breen talk about the battle of Los Angeles and all that kind of stuff and really setting it up where the Clippers are really good and the Lakers oh, are really welcome good. to sunny we California. Right? Exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, I had that premonition in my head thinking about that. So I, I think by the end of December, the Lakers will be something like uh, 25 and seven, something like that. They're going to be fine. They're going to have some, uh, you know, I'm sure road losses against contenders that we can gripe about for, you know, days and days on end. But I think by the end of December, they're going to be just fine. I'm thinking like 24, 25 and seven, something like that. And uh, they'll uh, make their way into January. Hopefully we'll know a little bit more about them then than we do now. Yeah, it'll be fun, man. I'm, I'm excited to see how, how this next month plays out and looking forward to, like I said, I mean, that Denver game, uh, the Utah game, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they lose and, and lose bad because you're going on a back-to-back against two yeah. heavy, heavy hitter teams. But I mean, like I said, that 19th to 25th stretch, man, you got the Greek freak, you got Denver, and then you got Kawhi, Paul George, and the Clippers on Christmas Day. So as a basketball fan, uh, I am super excited to watch that. Marcus, always fun having you on. Uh, thanks again for doing this, man. Appreciate you, man. It's always fun. All right, that's Marcus Fitzgerald. He's a reporter and anchor for Sportsnet 650. You can catch him on Twitter at Marcus Fitzy. And don't forget to follow us as well at Lakers SBN. Uh, Harrison, Ali, Christian, all those guys always tweeting out some great stuff during the game in terms of stats, but also some funny stuff as well. They're pretty hilarious, so check that out. And don't forget, silverscreenandroll.com, your source for everything Lakers. And of course, hit that subscribe button. Uh, you can catch us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, you name it. We are there. That does it for this episode. 17 and 3. Don't hang your heads too far. Lot down. They're going to be all right, but now is going to be the fun part of the season. All right, that does it. We'll talk to you all next time.